Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, Hokie Nation? Hope everyone is doing well. Giovanni Heater joined alongside Kyle Marshak with you. Now, I'm all the way up in Syracuse, New York. Normally, Kyle would be up here about five doors down from me, but instead, he's all the way down in Blacksburg. He's got uh, feet down in the 5-4-0 because he called the Virginia Tech-Clemson basketball game last night. Long trip. Before we get into everything, though, have to give a shout-out to our brand-new partnership with Triumph NIL. Triumph NIL was founded to create meaningful name, image, and likeness partnerships for student athletes. They specialize in curating opportunities that meet all NCAA compliance and state legal criteria. Triumph seeks to maximize individual and group earning potential and provide clarity to key stakeholders through creative activations. Their motto, recruit, retain, reward. That is Triumph NIL, and thank you to them. Well, Marshak, first things first, I got to ask you, uh, how was the trip down? You got down there safely. Yeah, no, uh, you know, the nine hour drive down 81 South, I'd say gets smoother pretty much every time. I mean, half the time I have some sort of company with me. Um, You know, I drive with my buddy, Rob. Uh, I've driven with you once. Who knows? You and I will probably have a trip or two together. 81 is honestly pretty convenient to drive down. So nine hours flew by. I'd say it felt like six hours this time. I'm hoping that'll continue to shrink, but I drive safe, which is all that matters. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Now I got to ask you this too. How about the crowd last night in Castle? Considering there are no students, it seemed like there was, first of all, a good chunk of young fans, whether they were high school kids or they were students uh, around the Virginia area, you know, whether it's a couple hour drive that seemed to make the trip for that game. Uh, it seemed like a pretty good crowd last night. Yeah, I was talking about that in the broadcast. That was the first thing I noticed. I was actually going to preface that Clemson game with that point is, it is literally smack dab in the middle of winter break. I mean, New Year's just hit. It's the first men's game of 2023 in Castle. And it was probably 5,000, 6,000 strong. I mean, it was a majority of the capacity for sure. And it's not like they were all just watching a basketball game. They were loud. Um, and you delve into it even deeper. The Castle Guard specifically was really impressive. I, I'm not sure if it was fraternity associated or whatever it was, but there was definitely a large group of young men on the kind of midway point of castle guard that were in like i saw cowboy hats suits <laughs> some people were wearing only jerseys no shirts under uh, they were they were great honestly for middle of the winter it was really impressive a really good reminder of how blacksburg can tend to be bigger than the sporting event from time and time again so it was really cool to see even more impressive, too, for having that kind of a crowd with a 9 p.m. tip-off. Typically, the families and stuff will kind of take a pause on that one and not attend. Being a weeknight, everyone's got to work and go to school the next morning. But, no, I mean, all things considered, they showed out. No, yeah, 9 o'clock on a Wednesday. Like, who is going to be up late, <laughs> you know, getting crazy for a basketball game midweek, late at night? But, 
literally every facet and characteristic of that game. It's late on a weekday and it's the middle of winter break for that crowd to have shown up the way it did and really helped in a lot of possessions. There were a couple of late foul shots because that game went down to the wire that Clemson missed and they were in the face of Castle Guard for that. So honestly, it's really, like I said, a great reminder of how unbelievable the fan base is for Virginia Tech. It was really cool to see. No doubt about it. Now, a show was definitely put on, maybe not with the outcome that Hokies fans were hoping to go home with late on a Wednesday night. Final score uh, last night, Clemson takes it 68 to 65. Hokies drop to 11 and four. That is one and three in conference play. On the other side, the Tigers move to four and oh in ACC play. They've been a surprise. Virginia Tech, maybe a little bit of a disappointment. That just felt like a game that you had to win at home if you're the Hokies. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, now they're on three straight. And on top of that, it just, I feel like it sparks with Couture's absence. I don't want to say that's the entirety of it because there are mistakes all over the floor that they need to correct. But I really do think people underrate because of his, I'd say, lessened offensive presence this year that they they still think that Couture is underperforming. I, I think he's performing as well as he did last year. He's just picking it up in different facets because Mike Young has talked about it all offseason and up until this point in the season that he wanted Couture to become that number one defender. But without Couture being that number one defender, you know, they're sticking Padula on those guys. I just think there's a major difference in the defensive presence from the Hokies. They gave up a lot of shots last night. No doubt about it. And I think the biggest thing too is in the absence of Hunter Couture, you are forcing John John Camden to play minutes that he typically did not play. Right. Um, he started the season getting a handful of role uh, role player type minutes, and then you know his presence on the court quickly diminished, uh, and he really never even appeared in games uh, until maybe garbage time at the very end. Last night, you forced John Camden to play uh, ten minutes. He goes zero for three from the field, zero for one from beyond the arc, and. That just shows what you're missing with a guy like Hunter Couture. And on top of it, Couture is the best backcourt defender uh, that Virginia Tech has. And on top of that, it forces other guys to play pretty much the entire game. If you look down the list here, Darius Maddox plays 36 out of 40 minutes. Padula plays 37 out of 40 minutes. Mutz plays 35 out of 40 minutes. Bazili plays 30. Lynn Kidd only played 18. And then Melijah Poteet actually played 25 minutes uh, off the bench. And MJ Collins played nine. And again, John Camden had 10. But you're forcing uh, your starters in the backcourt uh, in Darius Maddox and Sean Padula to play essentially the entire ball game. Yeah, I mean, I could literally go step by step through the lineup and tell you why Couture's absence throws everybody off the rhythm. With Padula, it's because now he's the number one defender. Now he's a 6-1 guard. He's not going to be like Couture at 6-4 where he can be that backcourt guy, a decent reach and kind of shut things down around the perimeter. So he struggled with that. Hunter Tyson, Revan Galloway, Chase Hunter, they all had a great time trying to drive past Padula. And if they couldn't, they had the height to get over him and try and get those shots off inside the arc, if not well beyond the arc, which we know Clemson's good at. So that's Padula. Then you go to Darius Maddox. I think he might be one of the only guys that isn't necessarily very effective because his role is still similar without Couture there. But then you go to Justin Mutz. Now Mutz is moving around the perimeter and the top of the key a lot more because he has to facilitate the offense more than he's used to. He took a lot of shots from three, which he doesn't do, but he also hits threes really well. So it's not necessarily a big problem. And then you go to Lynn Kidd. Now Lynn Kidd is moving around the perimeter a lot more. And then it's the same thing. You, you go to Poteet. Poteet is a guy who's not used to a ton of minutes. He was cramping up probably with five minutes left. 
Um, you know, I'm not going to say that he's um, not used to the minutes, so he can't play that that type of uh, amount of time because he honestly filled in his role decently well. He's a defensive presence and he was fun to watch, but you could tell he was hurting by the end of the game and the list goes on. You know, like you said, now Camden's getting minutes he's not used to. People do not realize how strong of a presence Couture is. If his offense isn't as strong as it was last year, his defensive presence and really just his personality as a leader on this team really does throw everything out of whack for the rhythm of this Virginia Tech squad. It's it's really interesting to see. Now, it's really interesting as well when we will get to see Couture back on top of the debut of Rodney Rice because right. uh, both of these two guys, the last two games were game time decisions um, and, and so much so to the point where Hunter Couture actually didn't really even warm up in this one. He was kind of in street clothes midway through. Uh, it was kind of clear that he wasn't going to play. Um, on the other side of that, though, Rodney Rice went through the entirety of warmups all the way down to the last couple of layups at the end. Uh, and he remained in game attire the entire game. He was in his uniform with the shooting shirt above it. So he was ready to go if called upon. So I guess my question to you here is, do you think it's a situation where Mike Young feels he's just not ready and doesn't have a fit for him right now? Or do you think he's still a little banged up and there's maybe trying to show the other team, Hey, he's an option. Hey, you still have to prepare for him. Same with Couture by saying he's a game time decision. You're saying, Hey, you still have to prepare for him because he might play. Um, do you, do you think it's more of that? And it's more of a mind game thing. And, and coach young is trying to use it as an advantage as a coach. Yeah, that's a good point. There's definitely a dichotomy to the use of Rodney rice right now. Uh, you know, it, it's tough when you make someone a game time decision, you see it a lot in football and baseball where, teams gatekeep their players availability so that the opposing uh, squad isn't necessarily fully prepared because they don't know who they're going to be facing. Um, and that could have been the tactic behind Rodney Rice. So with that being said, my guess is there's no way on God's green earth that Mike Young had the intention of using last night because if he was available, he, you know, I would like to say should have and definitely would have gone to Rodney Rice, especially the way Rice's athleticism is. They would have loved to throw him uh, into the backcourt to see what he could do to shut down the way the guards were playing for Clemson. So if there were a time to debut Rice, it would have been last night. So my guess is they just want to not pull the plug too early with Rice. And who knows, maybe they're trying to set up a, a date where Couture and Rice um, back, you know, hit the hardwood together. Um, I think that would stir up a lot of energy that the Hokie squad could use right now. So my guess right now is Rice isn't necessarily fully ready to go, or if he is, Mike Young had no intention of using him because last night definitely could have been the night where that, that could have happened. Bazile leads the way in scoring, drops 17 in 30 minutes, goes five for 15 from the field, three for six from beyond the arc. He hit a couple of big threes when they needed him. He also tallied seven rebounds. Justin Mutz had 11 points and nine rebounds with four assists. So a pretty decent game out of Mutz. Only goes three for 12 from the field, but he was effective from the charity stripe. Um, 14 points out of Sean Padula, one of his, I shouldn't say quieter nights. He was second on the team in scoring, but we've seen him have an average of 17 points a game. So maybe a basket less four for nine from beyond the arc. So he, he kind of picked up um, where he was struggling uh, the previous game uh, against Wake Forest. He really struggled from the, the three point arc. So it was good to see him have a little bit of improvement there. Maddox drops 11 
Uh, he was crucial in the first half. He dropped a bucket right at the buzzer uh, to end the first half, a deep two that uh, really just kind of gave the team some juice, some energy heading into the locker room, a little bit of momentum. And then Poteet was big off the bench, two, four rebounds and eight points for Malijal Poteet. It felt like Clemson in some ways, Kyle, especially at the guard position, and mostly at the guard position, I'll say, maybe not on the inside, but at the guard position, they seem to have a little bit of a height advantage on the Hokies. Yeah, I was talking about that all night. They were just a big team, straight up. Mm-hmm. I, I did not see them put a guy on the floor that was shorter than 6'2", maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think uh, on the top of my head, maybe Ian Shefflin was the shortest guy I saw. My guess is he's 6'4". So they just had big guards. You know, He's 6'7". I, I just looked six, it up. Seven. Yeah, so they're all okay, big. So, yeah. so I'm probably not even thinking of the right guy, to be honest with you, because 6'7 is freaking tall. Um, but, they, yeah, that's that's a fair point. They were just a big team. And that brings us back to the point of Couture. Being gone, he's a six-four guy, athletic and and kind of big body too. I really like the plays had so far the season offensively. He's he's improved inside the arc too because he's gotten so much stronger. And that's to be said for Padula too. He has gotten stronger. But at the end of the day, Padula is six foot one and Kator is six four. So that that was just the difference maker there. Padula is not going to be as shut down as that number one defender and. Uh, he definitely struggled to get buckets off inside the arc. That's why he kind of turned towards uh, those three-point shots. And, you know, he got four of them. So it wasn't a, a terrible night from Padula. Hunter Tyson had a nice game, 13 points for him, led the team in scoring alongside P.J. Hall, who also had 13 points. Hall was giving Virginia Tech fits uh, on the inside, uh, no doubt about that. But I think the player that I was most impressed with uh, on this team was Chase Hunter. His ability uh, to pull up in transition and and shoot the jump shot mid-range game uh, was something that the Hokies really didn't have an answer for all the way down the stretch until he hit a big one towards the end. So um, his mid-range game, his ability to create, uh, not having to get the ball off off the, off the pass, but really able to create off the dribble was impressive. And I think that was the Achilles heel of the Hokies last night was how good Chase Hunter was. Yeah. And again, that comes down to defense uh, in the backcourt for the Hokies. They just really struggled to shut him down. It was something where you're watching the second half of the game and that's all you could think about. That was the main storyline in that second half was just Clemson had guys everywhere. I mean, Chase Hunter could shoot the lights out, but he was so good at shot creating. And then the other Hunter, Hunter Tyson, he was lights out too. So they had guys who could catch and shoot. They had guys who could create. They had guys who could move the ball like Brevin Galloway, who wasn't necessarily a a crazy offensive presence, although he dropped double digits as well. They just had guys who could finish anywhere. I mean, even PJ Hall was moving the ball from the top of the key. They all cycled turns kind of running the point um, on top of that Clemson's ball movement made it so that it could get mismatches. I saw Padula stuck on PJ hall inside the paint twice. Yeah. I don't know how that happens, but they, they move the ball so well that they get those mismatches and it was the same thing, vice versa. I mean, the Hokies did a good job doing the same thing, getting Poteet on smaller people. But when you have PJ hall, a guy who's more experienced than Poteet, he got a lot of easy buckets with those mismatches they were getting too. But back to your main point for sure. Clemson just had guys who could create shots better than we could last night for Virginia Tech. Yep, going through uh, some of the other stats, it's almost weird that Tech lost this game. Uh, Where they were beat is how efficiently they shot the basketball. Clemson shot the ball 42% from the field, 39% from beyond the arc. Tech shot the ball not bad from beyond the arc, all things considered. They shot the ball 38% from three, uh, but they only shot the ball 31% from the field. That's a whole 10% less than Clemson, uh, and that's where you get your three points from. 
Interestingly enough, Tech wins the rebound margin, 42 to 36. Tech wins the turnover margin, uh, 14 to 11. Tech only turned the ball over 11 times uh, against the Tigers. So they were better at taking care of the ball and they were better at rebounding the basketball and still couldn't quite get the ball in the hole and score. Uh, Kyle, your kind of final thoughts on this game before we move on and talk about the uh, women's matchup, Commonwealth Clash, coming up tonight. Yeah, it was a battle of two good coaches. Brad Brownell really leads a talented squad, and you could say the same for Mike Young. So when you're looking at the turnover margin, and it's somewhat similar, but in the advantage of the Hokies, you're looking at the rebound margin, somewhat similar, but in the advantage of the Hokies, yeah, it, it just comes down to shooting efficiency, which of all things to worry about is not that bad of a problem. You know, if you're turning over the ball a lot, then that's that's a change you really have to study on it. Same thing with rebounding. You have to physically work at that. With shooting efficiency, you just got to hit the shots. And sometimes it just depends on the day. So it's it's not time to worry if you're a Hokie fan. That's the way Mike Young looks at it. And he was very positive about that in the presser post game too. So it was a great game on both sides. Sometimes the other team just hits more shots. And it was interesting, too. It just seemed like the Hokies were, like we said, they shot uh, 38% from beyond the arc. It wasn't that yeah. they were missing threes. They were struggling to finish around the rim, especially down the stretch. Another interesting right. tidbit, Clemson, only two offensive rebounds. Hokies had 12 offensive boards. So Virginia Tech wins this game like eight times out of 10 when you look at some of these stats. But uh, as we run out of time here, let's flip the script. Talk about this women's basketball matchup. They face off against the Virginia Cavaliers. Obviously a huge uh, rivalry game coming up the the Wahoos come in at 13 and one on the season the Hokies on the other side ranked ninth in the country uh, only two losses on the year to uh, Clemson and Notre Dame coming off a big win against North Carolina big opportunity in front of the Hokies tonight yeah you and I were looking at the record Virginia 13 and one how are they not ranked I mean, with a win over Duke as well, it's the strength of competition, but you still have to take that record really seriously. Virginia, uh, same as Virginia Tech, one of the strongest defenses in the ACC, although Virginia Tech definitely has the advantage offensively, although they are pretty similar in that category as well. It should be a good one. Statistically, you look at it on paper, and they're very similar. The schedules have been similar. You'd like to err on the side of the Hokies being successful considering the strength of schedule going into this matchup. It should be a good one. 70 uh, to 56 was the final score uh, in the one loss for the Cavaliers. They fell on the road uh, at Cameron Indoor against the Duke Blue Devils, and they lost that by uh, 14 points. So uh, that was really their only poor performance of the year. You can make the argument, well, who have they played? They do have a win uh, in conference play against Georgia Tech. Uh, they won on the road against Penn State. They won against Minnesota. Uh, so they they won against, oh, sorry, they do have one more. They beat Wake Forest uh, as well early on. They have another conference win. So, I mean, they have some good games on their schedule. They've won a couple of conference games. They've beat some Power 5 opponents. I think the Wahoos are the real deal. Uh, I think this game is going to be maybe closer than people expect, especially because the, the Virginia Tech women's side has kind of struggled to take care of the basketball as of late. They're allowing teams to stay in it by turning over the ball. Uh, I think we could be in for a treat tonight. That's 7 o'clock on the ACC Network Extra. Be sure to tune into that. Always good when the Commonwealth Clash uh, visits Blacksburg. Kyle, your final thoughts on the women's side and the men's side uh, before we wrap things up here today. Both are in positive trajectories. You look at their performances – if these teams are kind of sitting down in these losses, that's one thing, but no loss has occurred between either of these basketball teams where they made silly mistakes and just kind of gave the, the, the game away. 
Um, so the facts, you look at losses and then you split that category up into losses that were completely their fault or losses that were gritty and well fought and well thought out. And a lot of those losses fall into the latter of those two categories, which you cannot be upset about. No, no doubt about it. It is not time to hit the panic button. If you're a Virginia Tech fan, just remember, um, and I understand they wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament if they hadn't won out and won the ACC tournament. But this is a team that started 0-4 in ACC play last year, completely righted the ship. It's not time to panic, but it is getting to the point where you can start doing serious damage if you don't start figuring it out. So it is time to get these guys healthy, get them back on the court. I think if injuries weren't plaguing the Hokies, you wouldn't even be looking at the situation we're looking at. It's just unfortunate when those things happen, but it is not time to panic. Still love this team, support this team, and the women's team, ninth in the country. They got a chance to be national champions, no doubt about it. Kyle, I can't wait uh, until you get back home safely. I'll see you uh, in the Dome before we know it uh, yes, to call sir. that CUSA uh, Virginia Tech game. Can't wait for that. That's been circled on the calendar for a long time. So drive safe, my friend. Again, today's show has been brought to you by Triumph NIL. Um, that is our brand new proud uh, proud partner. And their motto, recruit, retain, reward. For Kyle Marshak, I'm Giovanni Heater. This was TSL Today on Thursday, January 5th. And we'll see you next time. Go Hope.